And it's crazy. You know, when you look at like diabetes and the biggest strain on the NHS is diabetes and where the demographic of diabetes lies, it lies in the poorer, in the poor, you know, in the, the most deprived areas of life. And that's crazy. So, you know, so eating vegetables is more expensive than eating McDonald's. Welcome to Forever Young, the health and well-being podcast from Lanzerhof. My name is Mario Pedazzoli, and in every episode, join me in conversation with a variety of health experts and special guests as we explore what it means to live well. We may not find the secret to eternal youth, but join me on our quest as we explore just what it means to live a balanced, healthy and happy life. Hello again and welcome. In all of our talks so far, the one recurring theme is the importance of our nutrition. And we know that by taking a balanced and considered approach to nutrition, we can considerably reduce the risk of chronic disease, we can maintain a healthy body weight, and we can support our overall health and well-being. Well, this week, we are delighted to be joined by Rosemary Ferguson, who somehow manages to juggle several careers as a successful model, author, and nutritionist, running a successful clinic and writing for publications such as Vogue and Tatler. Hailing from a background in homeopathic medicine, Rosemary has always been interested in the part food plays in influencing our health. In her own words, it is a fascination bordering on the obsessive. And after a successful 15 years of modeling and campaigns ranging from Prada to Galliano and McQueen, Rosemary has been seeing clients as a nutritionist since 2007, and we are thrilled to be speaking to her today. Rose, welcome to the show. Hi, Mario. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Pleasure's all mine. Uh, so let's start <laughs> the most important question. How are you today? How are you feeling? I'm good, actually. Well, I've got kind of a Monday feeling today, I must say. I'm feeling a little bit, um, but I'm fine. I feel a bit, I had a teenage party at the weekend, an outdoor <laughs> COVID-safe da, 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 party. But dear Lord, they are exhausting, aren't they? It's just uh, like, yes. I, yes. So anyway, but otherwise I'm fine. I'm really good. Thanks, Mary. Good, good. And um, let's start maybe by talking as, uh, about your career as a model. Um, how were you discovered and, and what was it like? Well, um, well, actually, it's quite ironic how I was discovered um, because I was discovered in McDonald's, which everyone thinks <laughs> is now an urban myth, but it's actually true. <laughs> maybe I knew that. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> everyone says Yes, I know. Everyone's like, that's so, but people don't think it's true, but I actually was. I was in Oxford Street and um, McDonald's. And um, yeah, and that's how I was. And it was by a photographer who's now quite, well, very famous, but sadly not with us anymore, Corinne Day. Mm. Um, and I think Corinne thought I was a boy, actually, as well, which is the other thing people think's hilarious. I did have long hair, but I spent up, yeah, quite renowned for my um, androgynous physique. <laughs> <laughs> the, so, yeah, so, so that's how I was discovered. The, um, the irony of ironies, not only as a model, but then as a nutritionist, of course. I know, exactly. <laughs> and, and maybe tell us a little bit, we've got lots of things to talk about today, nutrition related, but the life of a model uh, and clearly not just a run-of-the-mill model that you were incredibly successful and I know you still do dabble today but what was the pressure like what was the the life like actually uh well you know I think I I, I really enjoyed it is the basically the bottom line I mean modeling I am not a natural 
I wasn't really into fashion, I suppose, is the answer. I wasn't really that into it, but I met some really great people is why I loved it. I loved traveling um, and the people I met then are still my best friends now. So um, I think people love to make the fashion industry sound like this evil place, whereas a model you're pushed around. And I actually didn't have that experience. And I know that some people aren't as lucky as I am, but I did enjoy it. Um, it's it's challenging being, you know, as an older person now. I'm not older, but older <laughs> than I was then, just to be clear. Obviously, it's definitely young. <laughs> I, um, I, I sort of can see how being judged on just how you look does have an effect on how you feel mm. about yourself. Um, but at the time, you know, but I, I felt like I was treated with respect. I had a great time, you know, it was a, mm. it's a great job to do as a young person because you get to travel everywhere. You make quite a bit of money, for, you know, um, you hang out with your friends. It was really busy, both at work and outside work. <laughs> and, um, and um, yeah, well, we're all jealous listening to something like that. But however, having said that, the, the pressures are there nonetheless, and you just referred to it as well. Yeah. It's all based on on how you're looking and that there would have been pressures Um to, to be a certain weight and look. In fact, in the 90s, it was all about size zero and heroin chic and so on. Did you ever feel compelled to, to make unhealthier choices uh, in order to, to meet those, those criteria? Uh, so, so it's interesting because it was all about, so I was one of the heroin chic sort of grunge kids, but actually I've always been quite athletic. My body's like quite, it's very boyish, um, but I'm quite muscular. But you know, like I'm not, I'm not, so it always made me giggle that because I didn't really have that heroin chic willowy body I don't have that I'm very broad um I'm five foot ten you know I'm not you can eat some McDonald's (laughs) (laughs) and I can eat some McDonald's Mm. but um but I definitely think that it, when I look back at it now, you know, I did use, I spent quite a lot of my chance being aware that I was slightly, you know, like a slightly more athletic build than perhaps people thought I was. So you turn, it's, it's actually a really weird feeling when you turn up at a shoot and you, you're like, oh, is it, you know, because you're judged every day with a different team, a different thing, you're judged every day. And I think that actually saying that that doesn't have an effect would be stupid, even if you don't notice it at the time. Mm. It's quite a lot to take on. But then there was an awful lot of camaraderie too with all the girls, you know, when you were at shows and stuff, um, everybody, all, the, all the other models are on your side. So there was there was sort of mm. a team effort behind it. So I, don't, I didn't feel it so much, but I definitely think um, I'm aware of it for my kids, that's for sure. You know, I'm like, I'm aware of what they see all the time, what, what image of female they're presented with constantly um mm. and also a model and a nutritionist as a mother I'm very aware that I need to keep things really normal for them and mm. so there's very few food restrictions in this house even though everyone assumes they're not going to be eating any sugar I'm like do you know what if that's what if that's what they want I want to keep them it's you know I've got three girls on top mm. of it you know it's not even so um so yeah so I suppose there is a hangover from modeling days of awareness around food and trying to keep a one of the big things I work with in nutrition is a healthy relationship with food and that probably comes from my paranoia about not having that you know I feel like I do have that but I think I'm I'm over careful about keeping that so that that comes through actually in all your work and and uh, and online and um so was there actually a light bulb moment during your modeling career where where you thought actually uh, this is where I'm transitioning to and, and nutrition is the world I, I would like to end up in? Um, I think, do you know what? I think actually 
it's a funny thing modeling it's a really very weird world to end up in you're very young you actually back then you could be really young now they're you know they're more, more sort of careful there are more rules in place to protect younger girls and um and by the time i suppose i started thinking about what my next move would be as a career in my in my mid-20s because you know you have this whole career as a model and then you're like shit what am i going to do you know you know i mean there's very there are a few there are very few models who can transition and keep going through the decades and i do dabble and i do do a little bit from time to time but i i was like what am i going to do with my life i need to you know so it was a it was like a journey over the years of getting um the getting the sort of motivation up to all that and the confidence to go back to college and stuff but I think that actually the tipping point was when I when I had three kids and I, I was 31 32 and I was just like okay you know now I've got to now I really do want to have a new career path where I can build on it and it can be sympathetic to the fact that I have a family and I want to be around for them so I went back to school. My God, it was really hard. Well, you've, you've come out the other side, you know, with an enhanced incredible reputation uh, as, a, as a nutritionist. Um, you call yourself a nutrition nerd, in fact. Um, mm. so, so let's talk about nutrition. How, how would you describe your whole philosophy to, to healthy living and food? Um, it's basically my, it's basically, I want to make it doable, achievable. Um, I think, you know, I think there's, it really, what really annoys me is that people think, it's weird, isn't it? Like food, it's not rocket science eating well, and it's become this really um, sort of um, elitist way of eating and things. And I think that's really wrong. I, you know, I don't, I don't understand why it's become that way. You know, so there's a very particular type of person I think people think about when you talk about someone who's, you know, is nutrition-y. Um, and it's crazy you know when you look at like diabetes and the biggest strain on the nhs is diabetes and where the demographic of diabetes lies it lies in the poor in the poor you know in the um the most deprived areas of life and that's crazy so you know so eating vegetables is more expensive than eating McDonald's. McDonald's is going to get a battery but um <laughs> i don't mean to think on McDonald's. it's lots of Revenge. you know <laughs> no, yes. processed food is cheaper cheap mm. food is less and it's not good for us so so i feel very strongly about that i also feel like um making people feel bad about what they eat is something else that's wrong and you know and you have to and i try and support people in what they do so if someone's really super stressed or someone you know works shifts and they don't get the right hours of sleep i'm not going to make them feel bad for that i'm just going to try and support them with what they eat to help their body deal with those those stresses the, the, the way life is panning out these days, you know, it's all about convenience. And, and I think um, you know, the advice you're giving sometimes requires some forward planning and preparation with nutrition. So how, how do you combat that and your clients that are time poor? Well, that's true. Um, but then it's also like, there. do you know what, right now there's so many good options. So I tell you where my, my downfall is, the petrol station, which everybody says is theirs. You know, you go mm. and you buy petrol, you don't mean to buy anything in the shop. And you go in and then you end up buying a bag of crisp or a chocolate and a sandwich or whatever. But then if you look a little bit further, you will find a bag of nuts and some a salad, you know, or a, not salad necessarily might not be substantial enough. But, you know, they do have substantial, more substantial meals ready. But the snack thing, they have such brilliant snacks now. Fruit is really easy. Hummus is really easy. You know, so um, I do understand that cooking a meal might be more time consuming than you want to. But. 
Um, I suppose batch cooking is something I always recommend, but you can also buy really great pre-made soups. You know, it's just buying their stuff that is full of E numbers, preservatives, fats, sugars, but there are, I, I do feel like there are lots of companies making a real effort to make it um, less processed. And if you were prime minister, uh, what poison chalice that job is, but if you were, were there any other rule changes you'd give to the food industry? Um, well, I just think it, I think the food politics, I mean, they're fascinating. If you look at the food lobbies and where money sits and where politicians sit on which, I mean, especially, you know, it's in particular American food politics and things like the soy, you know, there's a whole, oh, the soy lobbies, it's unbelievable what goes on. I think, um, I think just to be straightforward with people, it's so confusing. People find it so confusing, you know. Um, I don't, you know, it's interesting actually thinking about the red light, the la the traffic light system that there is on fats and, you know, on mm. the food labeling. Um, but if you buy an avocado, it's got a big red mark on it for high fats. Mm. Whereas those are, you know, it's, and so it's I do confusing. understand the complexity of it because actually that's not a good represent, or nuts, for example, would have a big red high fats on it. It's really confusing. So I suppose... I would try and simplify is what I try and do and just, mm. you know, just make it more attainable for people. You know, it's not rocket science. It really isn't. No, that, that's, that gives us all hope. And you mentioned uh, you're, you're a mother to three wonderful daughters. Um, how has raising a family changed the way you eat and, and maybe the advice you try and impart on your, on your family? Um, yeah, so the way I, well, cooking at home is one thing, I suppose, you know, um, and try, as I say, with the girls, it's just trying to keep it balanced. I mean, everyone thinks that because I'm a nutritionist, I'm really perfect and I eat really well all the time. We don't. I really don't. I mean, I I probably eat better than a lot, but I still love to have, you know, we still have a pizza and I still, like I say, get snack, trashy snacks sometimes. Um, there are things that I really take um that really piss me off between you and I Mario and those are things like fizzy drinks <laughs> and yeah. one of my daughters insists and it just makes my makes you wince I mean every now and then I'll have a coca-cola every now and then but you know and I never say never to anything but she will always order coca-cola at the pub if we're going for dinner and it really I have to bite my knuckle because I'm just like oh why it's so unnecessary so fizzy drinks um yes something that are not welcome in my house um, but otherwise I'm pretty lenient. They do, I do have to adapt what I cook when they have their friends around because after trying to give them lentil stews <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and then one of the mums saying, Oh yeah, the kids, and they they just been it was just really funny. She's like, Oh yeah, they say we always have lentils or mung beans. I was like, oh dear. <laughs> so then we went through a big stage of pasta pesto for a long time. Um, you know, so yeah, I, but this otherwise we scarily familiar. <laughs> Uh, I have three sons, so um, I can relate to all of that. <laughs> Actually. Um, let's talk, if we may, let's talk fasting. I know that's a large part of your your advice and the um, and, 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 and some of your principles that you advocate. But um, you recently joined us here at Lanzerhof at the Arts Club and you took part in our seven-day uh, life fasting programme. Um, maybe in your own words, uh, maybe tell our listeners why you advocate fasting generally and your whole experience here with us. Okay. Um, yeah, I do advocate fasting, actually. Um, I really am a big fan of it. I think um, I, I sort of blow hong hold on talking about it because it annoys me 
or it frustrates me that it gets abused. I think um, the, the problem with fasting is that people use it and it becomes a form of dysfunctional eating. You know, they'll behave, not behave badly, but, you know, they're just it's like a yo-yo. They'll eat trashy food, drink too much. When they feel rubbish, they'll then fast and, and essentially starve themselves, you know, um, to get themselves back in shape and then do it all over again, which is, is just a long binge purge cycle to me, whereas fasting should be, a way of nourishing yourself um it should be it's a way of your microbes love it when you give them a rest the microbes the bacteria in your gut that spend all day every day dealing with all the food that we put or uh, you know or um whatever drinks we're drinking so um fasting is wonderful for that it's brilliant for brain clarity what i would never ever recommend fasting for is weight loss mm-hmm. i mean you know obviously if you are really really overweight then fasting can be a great way to trigger and get your system moving in the right direction but it should be used as a rejuvenation rather than like a weight loss plan um and it's wonderful for that and i think it's just the most amazing thing and doing your life i loved doing i loved doing the life program i am I really did. I loved it because I thought because it's a slightly different. So I, I'm more I tend to juice fast a bit. Um, but doing the Mayer style and the Lanzerhof way, it was just wonderful. I felt very supported by you guys, as I said, you know, it was great coming in every day. Um, and, you know, and also actually just talking about the microbes, you know, the, the fact that I was I was doing the kefir that, you know, and my gut felt so good. And that's what you should fast for to get your gut mm. working well, get and that makes everything work better. And um, yeah, I think I agree with Dr. Levine that twice a year doing a really good thorough fast is a wonderful thing to do. Mm. And for those that have never fasted, because we've been uh, overwhelmed by the response uh, and and the majority are people who have heard about it, um, researched it and are on the verge of trying it for the first time. So, So maybe for the listeners, how does it feel you know, more or less from day one to day seven uh, and that bit in between. How does it all feel? Well, I think, I mean, you know, what? if you've never fasted, I think you need to understand that it's going to be a challenge, that there are going to be times when you're going to struggle. But just be like you're in it, just, you know, so just go roll with it. I think you have to just accept that there's going to be ups and downs. Um, but, you know, when you start, I don't know, I find these things really exciting because for me it's like, giving my body a holiday. Mm. So um, so when I start, so day one is usually fine because you're fine. Day two is usually fine. I, I think in my experience, when I'm working with people who are fasting, day three can be quite tricky. Now, if you are a big sugar eater or a big coffee drinker, I would really te- listen to Lanzhoff or listen to whoever you're doing the fast with and t- tailor that, you know, and sorry, tailor, you know, um, like lessen it before you before you get to the fast because the headache is it's um crippling it's really bad famous headache Um, famous headache you know but and it can last a day or two or even three so day three can be quite tricky four can be you know but then i think you start to feel feel well i think you just have to um just be gentle with yourself, you know, like haven't make sure you have a nice massage. That's what's great about the plan, actually, is because you have a massage. You're constantly being taken care of throughout the whole seven days. Um, so you feel like you're in a program rather than just like doing it on your own and struggling on your own. 
Um, and then, I don't know, I think day six and seven, you're thinking, well, I could do this for another seven days. You know, I think you get to that point where you're like, actually, I'm feeling absolutely fantastic now. Um, and now I should just, you know, I, I sort of wish I had done it for 14 days. I've never fasted that long. Um, but anyway, next time, maybe I will. Okay, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> we'll hold you to that. And um, so thanks for that. And, and uh, again, if, um, if anyone is interested, uh, please do email us on lanzerhoff at theartsclub.co.uk and we'll be able to provide all the information that you might need. Um, how has this last year, year and a half been for you, Rose? It's been an incredibly challenging time for all of us, of course. Um, how have you coped with lockdown and the pandemic? Um, well, for a start, I feel very, very lucky to live out in the countryside. I think, you know, um, for all the times that I miss living in London, I was felt very grateful that I was out of, you know, out in the middle and had some space. Um, and there were really high things, you know, like I had my oldest daughter was home from university. I know our kids are the same age, pretty much, aren't they, Mary? And both mm -hmm. Bristol University. Getting them back from Bristol can be quite difficult sometimes. Yes. So she went forced home under the pandemic <laughs> she, it was quite nice to have her back it took a pandemic to get her home but it was nice to have her. um what's been challenging well work for me has been challenging changing how i work but it's also been quite interesting so you know i work online very much now um as interesting people's response i suppose it's interesting because you know people have been talking about social anxiety and i didn't think i had social anxiety you know, i was like i'm fine but I do understand that it's sort of like you get quite, you know, it's very calm. It's very easy to be at home with everybody, the same faces all day, every day. Um, but I am quite excited. I do get quite excited when I go back into town now. Um, but I think probably just the stress of, I think that feeling of what's going to happen. I think now that now that we're coming out of the lockdown, I think that actually the the reality, the you know, the impact of the pandemic is going to start showing itself because while we've all been, you know, I feel like I've been sort of in a little bubble at home, but now I need to really think about, you know, what's the next step? How do I, you know, I don't know, how do we all move forward in a whole new world that's open? You know, it's sort of easy when you've got the rules of the lockdown holding you in place because you're like, there's nothing I can do. Whereas when it starts loosening off, it's like, oh God, what am I going to do? Mm. The, new, the new world. So I'm trying to look at, at it as an exciting opportunity for new, you know, how things will pan out. But um, it's also quite, you know, there's a bit of unknown there, which is anxious making, I guess. Yes. And um, we uh, we all look forward, but wondering how we've changed ourselves. You're right. We've all had time to reflect, haven't we? And uh, yeah. we, we hear the phrase self-care. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a buzzword. Um, how, how do you relax and look after yourself because after all if if we don't look after ourselves no, no one else will so so how do you take care of rosemary ferguson um well i do i do i mean i'm quite i'm quite good at doing exercise so you know i do that um the thing that i'm not very good at is taking time i will pack my day full of them full and then i will get stressed and so then I don't, so breathing is a really big thing for me, just taking a deep breath, just literally when I'm just going, I can do that, 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 just take a deep breath and go, actually, no, I can't, I can't do all of that. Um, so that's quite a big thing. And uh, fasting is a big thing. I try to, I do try and do a, far, a fast day one, one day a week. Um, 
Yeah, and, and do you know what else? I mean, I love going out. I love going out on the razzle. <laughs> I love having that out. But that doesn't really love me so much anymore. So keeping that to me and just going out and just having slightly lower key, you know, lower key. That's what I need across the board. Lower key work low, or lower key you know, like schedule and lower key craziness would be great. That's self-care. Going out on the razzle. Only old <laughs> people use that, that term. I know. <laughs> Fact is... <laughs> Our kids too. See, that's why I shouldn't be doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, after you've been going out on the razzle and you know, you, you've, you're looking after yourself, what are the rules that you live by, Rose? Um, yes, what are the rules you live by? Um, well, what do you mean, health-wise or just? Yes, for yourself. Yes, exactly, health-wise, um, but also morally, spiritually. How do you conduct yourself? So, um, well, I care, you know, the reason I do what I do is because I feel privileged to help other people. Um, and so, so that's, I take what I do really seriously, which means that I can admit that I don't know everything. It's an ever changing field. Um, I'm, you know, I'm doing a master's at the moment in it, you know, so I'm always learning because I think that's my job. It's my mm. duty. What's your master's in, Rose? Advanced nutrition. <laughs> Fantastic. Shock. I know I don't know it's um it's yeah so I you know so I'm always I feel like I'm always pushing myself to learn more I mean not learn but it is an ever-changing field and it's an amazing field to be it's an amazing place to thing to be involved in because there's just new data coming out all the time about microbiomes in your brain the microbiome in your mouth you know I mean it's amazing so that's one thing so I take that very seriously um and then I quite like my family life. Like I'm quite like I like I like family, um, you know. So I suppose and, and friends. I you know, yeah, family and friends are really important to me. Mm. And then um, I do I like an early night. I like uh, getting up early. You know, I'm I like to go work while swimming. I like to do exercise. That's when I'm at my happiest. When I'm getting I go to bed early. I get up early. I like pottery. I love pottery. That's an old thing too, isn't it? That's nice. Nice to make time to potter. Yeah. So making time to potter is, you know, where you don't have anything to do. And pottering can take hours sometimes. And it's really nice. <laughs> so those are things that I, you know, those are things. I think putting pressure on myself to perhaps, you know, the idea of going out on the razzle is a hangover of being younger and not letting yourself off that hook. Maybe that feeling of like, oh, I should go out. But actually what you want to do is go get Maybe that's a self-care thing that I should pick up. Yes. For. And so maybe rounding off, what are the three healthy non-negotiables that we should all be doing? Um, what's the advice you, you'd give us all as a parting shot? Well, I tell you what is a really um, non-negotiable one. And I say it often is meditation and I am not good at meditating and I don't particularly well, I didn't used to want to, you know, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do it, but it makes it so different. So for me, even if it's five minutes of not very successful, well, in my mind, it's not very successful. Like I don't feel very zen when I meditate, but I'm getting better. But I like listening to the Calm app in the morning, actually, which is actually 10 minutes. So I listen to the Calm app for 10 minutes um, and that sets me off on the right foot. Um, the other Religiously, things I think, Rose, do you do that religiously? Uh, five days I'd say five out of seven on average. Okay. Um, yes, I do. It, it also seems to just strike a chord. It gives me time to be, you know, the car map has got, it always has a theme and it 
gives me just a moment to sort of go, oh yeah, that's true. You know, whatever she's talking about, whatever the lady's talking about, it's I always just it's just flipping a bit of that dreadful word mindful in the morning. It's not a bad way to start the day. Um, so I like doing that. I fast once a week. I find that really helpful. That really I, I find it inspires me to eat better. Well, not eat better. It inspires me to eat fresh, actually. Like it makes me, it gives me brain clarity. I think for a woman in her mid-40s, it's brilliant for your hormones, great for your gut. So that's something I do every week. Um, and then what else? I suppose, you know, like doing doing a bit of exercise. I mean, I know it's such a cliche, but doing a bit of exercise is great for my brain. You know, this morning, like I say, I felt very like, but I did do my training and it did make me feel better. So and and I'm I'm past doing punishing training. So I do, you know, like 20 minutes or something and it makes me feel fine. Just a little bit of something if I can. Yes, that's, that's underestimated actually how good you feel and the yeah. endorphins that are released after exercise. Yeah. Uh, fasting once a week what does that look like then is it literally nothing you, you I, I've been researching you Rosani you talk about juice juicing and and, and, yeah. and juices one day a week but but what does fasting look like for you well so actually fasting it can be a, it, actually fasting can be it might be a bit misleading well it can be a variety so I, there's a lovely lady called um joe little who does creative cleansing um, and she does a water fast from after dinner on a sunday or whatever night you're doing it on the evening and then you eat dinner the next day so you just water fast through the day so sometimes i do that i find that quite uh i don't do that very often most of the time i do juice or, or I go through phases of just doing liquids. So I'll have a smoothie, then I'll have a juice in the mid-morning, then I'll have a soup for lunch, then I'll have another smoothie, then I'll have another juice, and then I'll have a soup. So actually it's just, it's basically blended food all day. You know, it can be, it doesn't have to be a green soup. It can be any soup. It's just to rest your gut so your gut doesn't have to break down the food. It's already broken down for you. Um, and then, but then also actually, since I've done my life plan, I've done a couple of Lanzerhof style days where I did some kefir and crackers twice a day and did broth for the rest of it. So it depends how I feel. I think that's something that people have to really, really remember is that you feel different every single day and all this rigid, I'm going to eat like this and that's how I'm going to do it is, is actually, you're sort of setting yourself up to fail because you feel different. You've got different stresses every day. You've got different hormones every day. You know, just you, I think people need to be a bit flexible and a bit sensitive to how they feel um, yes. before they sort of start putting these really strict rules in place. And actually the body responds amazingly, doesn't it? And you don't necessarily feel exhausted or, or, or by the whole process. In fact, on the contrary. On the contrary, yeah. I mean, that's what's amazing is that you feel... And because it also you have to remember that your body it takes 50% of your energy your body that's what your energy is used 50% of your energy is used to digest food every day mm. so if you're not using that energy it can also you know and it slows down your you know your digestion slow and then your liver can be slow so actually by lightening the load you're like woohoo great mm. <laughs> you do you're very energetic but energized well, you are one of life's busy people. And clearly, this is where your energy levels come from. So thank you for sharing all of this with us and, and opening our minds. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Rose. And hopefully we'll see you here very soon. I will be back for sure. Thanks for talking to us, Rose. Thanks, Mario.